And good morning, everyone. Glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, or if you need a Bible, first of all, Stu's up front. He has Bible in his hand, and Grace in up front. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and we'll bring one right to your seat so you can follow along with us. And if you would, turn into your Bibles to two different places. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to pick up where we left off last time, in verse 19, we'll look at verse 19 through 24. And once you hit Philippians chapter 2, keep your place there, then turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. So two places this morning. Got it covered? All right. How my study this morning is a mother's influence. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in this place this morning, Lord, and we thank you for the sense of your presence in this room. Thank you for the opportunity we've had just to worship you through song, Lord, and, and just pour our hearts of love and praise out to how great and awesome and powerful and wonderful you truly are. And now, Lord, as we continue to worship you, Lord, through the study of your word, we pray that you'd give us understanding application in our lives lord i pray especially lord as we uh, uh look at the subject of moms and motherhood and those things lord that you would just uh, bless the moms that are here lord and and uh, lord i know you have something to say to all of us not just the moms and so we pray that we're to open ears to receive all that you have for us lord we also pray if there's anyone that has joined us that is yet to have that saving knowledge of your son jesus christ they would come to know him lord through you today lord and we just ask your blessing upon this time for it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Well, seeing how it's Mother's Day, I found a special video that I thought we might enjoy. So I'll have uh, Jacob go ahead and uh, kind of shows you what a true mom has to go through. So go ahead, Jacob. For those of you with kids, man, that says it so well. I know it does. I found a list of a few ways to know if you're truly a mom. You know that your mother when you have time to shave only one leg at a time. You know you're a mother when someone else's kid throws up and you continue eating. You know that you're a mother when your child throws up and you catch it. You know that you're a mother when you hope that ketchup is a vegetable since it's the only one that your child eats. You know that you're a mother when you hire a sitter because you haven't been out with your husband in ages, but then you spend half the night checking on the kids. And finally, you know that you're a mother when you find yourself cutting your husband's sandwiches into unusual shapes. So today, of course, is Mother's Day. It's a day to honor those women in our lives who have made such an eternal difference. Maybe it's a woman who gave birth to you, but it may be an aunt, it may be a, a sister, another dear woman who has changed your life for the better. And I know for some moms, you know, Mother's Day can be difficult for many reasons. There are some that, that they want more than anything to have children. And up until this point, you know, it, it hasn't happened. God understands that. I know there are moms that are hurting because your children have not always followed your guidance. And, and I understand God cares. There are moms that realize that they have not followed the Lord in raising their children. Now listen, it's not too late. And there are those, uh, perhaps sons or daughters here today, that have been hurt by their mothers. Listen, you don't need to stay bitter. Or maybe, you know, like my mother, your mom has gone home to be with the Lord and you miss her and she's not here. Listen, God knows. 
And God knows what you're going through. And He's there to strengthen you and encourage you and to comfort you. In fact, I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 94, 19. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Now I would say that there is no other job that goes more unappreciated than that of a mother. And that's because of the role that moms play. I mean, moms, they're, they're teachers, they're, they're disciplinarians, they're, they're cleaning ladies, they're gardeners, they're lawnmowers, you know, or mowers of lawn. You know, they, they, you know, they, they, they know at times baking cookies is far more important than washing windows. They're, they're nurses, they're, they're, they're doctors, they're psychologists, they're counselors, chauffeurs, coaches, they're developers of personalities, molders of vocabulary, shapers of attitudes. A lot going on there. In fact, Salary.com has evaluated the mom job of both the working and the stay-at-home moms. If you're wondering what a mom who stays at work should, at home rather uh, and works should be paid, based on a survey back in 2011 of 6,616 mothers, Salary.com determined that the time mothers spend performing 10 typical job functions around their home would equate to an annual salary of $115,432 a year for a stay-at-home mom. Men, we can't afford them. We're blessed to have them. They go on to say, working moms at home salary is 63472 That's in addition to the, the income they earn working outside the home. And get this, according to the survey, a typical stay-at-home mom works uh, per week uh, almost 97 hours a week, spending 13.2 hours a, as a daycare teacher, 13.9 hours as a household CEO, 7.6 hours as a psychologist, 14.1 hours as a chef, 15.4 hours as a housekeeper, 6.6 hours doing laundry, oh man, 9.5 hours as a PC or Mac operator, 10.7 hours as a facility manager, 7.8 hours as a janitor, and 7.8 hours driving the family Chevy. It's no wonder you moms are tired all the time. Definitely a need for Mother's Day just to have a day off. And listen, for, for those of you moms who feel that you may go unappreciated, it's comforting to know Hebrews 6.10 that says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards His name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God sees the work that you do. And I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to see such great rewards for godly mothers and what they have done in their lives. And because of that, I believe what Christian moms need to hear more than anything else today is, Keep going. You're doing great. Keep going. Keep it up. Because I think all too often we get short-sighted and we miss the big picture and, and, and we think, man, well, my kids, they're not turning out the way I thought they would be. They, they did this. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen with them. I don't know about this. This is something to think about. We know that Adam and Eve was the only couple that was born without earthly parents. Now, that also means that they were the only couple without in-laws. Now, and I, I mean... I'm not saying that's good or bad. You know, I have a good relationship with my in-laws. I'm just saying. Here's my point. Adam and Eve didn't have children until after they had sinned. We're told in Genesis 4, 1 and 2, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And we all know the story of Cain and Abel. And, and, and we don't really think about that, but when we read in the Scriptures, there is none righteous, no, not one. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All means all. And we go all the way back to Adam and Eve's firstborn kids. 
I mean, they, they, they were sinners. They weren't perfect. So if any of you moms here today think that you can raise a perfect child, think again. The only mom that raised a perfect child was Jesus, and he was born that way and, and continued that way without sin. But you see, mom, you weren't called to, be, to bear perfect children, but to bear children with, with God's help could become eternally perfect if they so make that choice. What, we would call, what you were called to do is to invest time in their lives that would point them to the most important relationship in their lives, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You were called to pass on by example and by instruction your faith and love to God, for God to your children. So don't be discouraged if you're not seeing fruit yet. If you're not seeing your 8-year-old become the man of God that you think he should be at 8 years old. Come on, he's only 8. Okay, give him some time. It takes time. Well, here before us we have the story of a man who turned out to be a very, very godly man. And it's all due to the influence of his mother and his grandmother, a young man named Timothy. We're going to first look at, at uh, the man he turned out to be, and then we're going to go back and see how it all started. First look at, at Philippians 2, verses 19 through 24 in your Bibles. Paul, in continuing his, his, his letter to the Philippians, he says to them, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, and that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Three things we see this man of God turned out to be number one he was like-minded paul said i trust the lord jesus to send timothy to you shortly then he says in verse 20 for i have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state that word like-minded means equal soul or our souls are the same or uh, kindred spirits or spirits are the same we're, we're tracking together on just about every issue in other words timothy and paul man they were on the same page they were like-minded. Now, what were they, in what way were they like-minded? Well, remember back in verse 5 of the same chapter, chapter 2, Paul told the Philippians, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. What was the mind that Christ Jesus had? Well, verse 3 and 4 told us, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each other seem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Jesus demonstrated that very mindset. He was willing to be obedient. He, he to give up something he had and to become the, the sacrifice for sin, the purpose to make it possible for mankind to have their sin forgiven, to come into the family of God. So for that to happen, Jesus had to humble himself. He became obedient to the point of death for our sakes. He had the choice. He chose obedience to his Father. See, him and the Father were of one mind, like-minded. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. They, they were together on this. In the same way we see Paul, that he had the mind of Christ, and he's saying, now Timothy, he also has that mind. What mind? The mind of humility. The mind of obedience. The mind of, of, of no selfish ambition or self-centeredness. Man, what great attributes to have. Man. You see, Paul says Timothy is just that type of God. But not only that, verse 20 says he... He will sincerely care for them. 
So number two, he was sincere. Timothy was. The word sincere means um, uh, without hypocrisy or genuine. In other words, Timothy wasn't fake. He was real in his relationship with the Lord and real with those around him. His, his walk matched his talk. His talk matched his walk. Then he adds one more attribute in verse 22. He says, you know that his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So he was like-minded. He was genuine, proven character, but he had boldness because, man, he's serving with Paul with the gospel. And what happened with Paul in the gospel? Man, he's in prison. He's been beat. He's, I mean, he see Timothy is going through with Paul. So he had this boldness to face some very difficult times. So how did Timothy get to be this man of God, this life, and all these attributes that he has? Well, now turn in your Bibles with me over to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, if you saved it from when we talked about it already. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he tells him in verse 5, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I persuaded that is in you also, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying of in my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, we see those same three attributes Paul bragging about that in Timothy to the Philippians, we see how they came about in Timothy's life. He had a like-mindedness, a genuineness, and a boldness. And those are the three points I want to point out as we camp out here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5-7. through 7. If you're taking notes, we're going to see a like-mindedness, a genuineness, and a boldness. Number one, a like-mindedness. How did Timothy become so like-minded with Paul? I'll start with Grandma, and it started with Mom. Grandma loved the Lord... And taught her daughter to love the Lord. And in turn, her daughter taught her son to love the Lord. Paul says, It dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. saw a funny picture the other day. And it said, uh, it had the sign on it. It says, I put grandma on speed dial. I call it Instagram. I thought, that's pretty good. You like that. It's amazing how people will tell me, you know, I, 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 they came into relationship with Jesus Christ because of their grandmother. Because grandma prayed with me and, and oh man, she, she just, just talked to me about the things of God. Grandmas, they just know things, you know. I read of this trial in the small town, southern town and the prosecuting attorney called his first witness to the stand. It was a grandmother, an elderly woman. He approached her and said, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? She responded, well, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a boy, and frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat on your wife, you manipulate people and talk about them behind their backs, you think you're a big shot when you haven't got the brains to realize you'll never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. The lawyer was stunned. Not knowing well what else to do, he pointed across the room and asked, Mrs. Jones, do you know the defense attorney? Well, she again replied, well, yes, Yes, I do. I've known Mr. Bailey since he was a youngster, too. He's lazy, bigoted. He's got a drinking problem. He can't build a normal relationship with anyone, and his law practice is one of the worst in the entire state. Not to mention he cheated on his wife with three different women. One of them was your wife. Yes, I know him. The defense attorney nearly collapsed. Just then the judge asked both counselors to approach him at the bench, and in a very quiet tone he said, If either of you idiots... Idiots, ask her if she knows me. I'll send you both to the electric chair. 
Moms turn into grandmas. And by the end of the road, there's not much they don't know. Nobody knows you better than your mom. Nobody loves you more than your mom. Nobody knows you better than your mom. Paul's like-mindedness with Timothy came from Timothy's like-mindedness with his mother and with his grandmother. Keep your place in 2 Timothy 1. Turn over just a few pages to chapter 3. Look at verse 14 and 15 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul, in writing to Timothy, tells him in verse 14, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, this is knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying, ever since childhood, you've been taught God's Word. Now, isn't that an awesome thing? You moms, you grandmoms, you, you take heart. Pastors aren't the only ones that teach the Bible. You, you're Bible teachers. You're given the responsibility to teach your children the Word of God. Let me tell you, that's the best investment that you can make in your child's life, to teach them God's Word. Timothy's mom and grandmother had a sense of duty to communicate the Word of God, to teach them and to train young Timothy to apply what what they taught, to apply the Word of God. Now, what a blessing that would be. Maybe you've been blessed that way to, to be taught the Word of God since you were a child. Or maybe to go to grandma's house, you know, and, and just to hear the scriptures taught to you. Now that's not taken away from the responsibility of dad or the father, and we'll get to them when we get to Father's Day. Um, but but you know, there's just you know some reason that Timothy's father was not in the picture. Now why is that? Well, it's thought of two possibilities. One, Timothy's father could have died, and that would leave him to be raised by his mother and his grandmother which I think, you know, those moms without husbands or dads around, we see God can give you the power to raise godly children. But another possibility is that Timothy's father left the family because he was an unbeliever. In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, when we're introduced to Timothy, it says Timothy was the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father, but his father was a Greek. So it seems to, to indicate that we're dealing with a Jewish woman who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but Timothy's father was an unbelieving Gentile. Again, that means Timothy got his faith passed on from his mother and his grandmother, not his father. Now we know further from the fact that Timothy, though a Jewish mother raised him, he was never circumcised. Paul had to take him as a young man and get him circumcised to bring him on his journey to the Jewish nations. Now, why did he not get circumcised? Uh, here's a, is a possibility, probably because dad said, it ain't going to happen. No way. I'm a Greek. I don't do that. You Jews do that, but I don't do that. Not going to happen. So it never happened, even though this is a part of the covenant ritual that every male Jew would go through. But here's the thing. It's even more insightful. I believe that it was his mom who handpicked out his name because of what his name means. Timothy means one who fears the Lord. That sounds like a Jewish mom going, ah, oh, uh, I'm not naming her son rather than an unbelieving Greek. Timothy, one who fears God. And again, I hope this is an encouragement to any single moms out there, any moms who are married to non-believers out there, because it shows us that you can still have a tremendous uh, uh, impact on the life of your son or daughter. You, you see, God's grace can take care of what you cannot do for yourself. He'll, he'll fill in what's lacking. If you're just sim- simply faithful, faithful in communicating your faith to your children. Now, here's another interesting note here. Timothy's mom's name, it says here, was Eunice. Now, 
The only Eunice I ever heard of was Carol Burnett played Eunice in, in Mama's Family. You know, that, 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 you know, that thing, that whole character. Let me tell you, Eunice was a terrific name. It is a terrific name. It's a Latin form of the Greek word unique. Uh, you know what unique means? You think, well, it means unique. No, it's not, not unique. Unique has a word nike in it. Now, some of you that, that own a lot of tennis shoes, you know it's Nike. It's Nike. It's Nike. Nike was the winged goddess of victory. And Nike or Unike or Eunice means one who conquers well or one who gets a good victory. Man, that's appropriate for a name for, for, for Eunice because she conquered the forces of a divided home. She lived to see her son become uh, not only a, a, an evangelist but a powerful man of God. But let me say this. Both Grandma Lois and Eunice, Timothy's mom, enjoyed a faith in God but it would not have been possible uh, apart from them being in the Word of God themselves. They needed to be in the Word in order to pass it on to, to Timothy. See, moms and dads, if you want to see your children like-minded with the Lord, then you need to be like-minded with the Lord. And that comes from you being in God's Word. Listen to what Romans chapter 15, verse 4 through 6 tells us. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus that you may be with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Scriptures are there for our learning. That Greek word for learning is didaskalia, which means instructions. It means teaching. It means guidance. So the scriptures are there for our teaching, for our instruction, for our guidance. Man, this is so important, not just for us moms. There's, there's such a vast amount of people today in our culture that are not looking to the Word of God for guidance. They're not looking to the Word of God for instruction or, 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 or teaching, even though it's there in the Word of God that we, hope, we find hope in. So I've had people come up to me you know, and, and, and say to me, well, well, you just don't understand, Pastor Tom. My problems are really deep. You know, I, 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 you know, the Bible doesn't have the answers to my problems. I need to go elsewhere. Listen, you go elsewhere, you're not going to find answers. You're still going to be lost. Because let me tell you, it's the Word of God that is your source of, of direction. It's your source of hope. It contains the very promises of God. God's promises are found in His Word, and God's Word is a source of all hope. That's why the most important place to point people who are in distress, who are struggling, is, is pointing to the Word of God. It shows us how to live. You find hope. You look to the Scriptures. That you may be with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, here's my point. As you look to the Scriptures, you become of one mind. You become like-minded with Christ and His Word. And then in turn, you become like-minded with other believers. And that's the example that you set to your children. This is where Timothy learned it from his mother and his grandmother. Being in the Word of God themselves. Now that brings us to point number two, genuineness. Turn back now to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 5 again. Paul writes, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. So Timothy here, I mean rather Paul rather, is going, okay, Timothy, I need you to remember something here. I need you to remember about this genuineness of your faith. Remember. Now, I think we all need reminders because sometimes 
it's easy to forget. The older I get, the, the harder I find it is to retain information than I realize. But here, you know what scientists tell us? Scientists tell us that we, we never really forget anything. You know, God has placed this amazing hard drive, so to speak, in, in the human brain, in the human mind that retains all this information. It's all stored in a memory bank. The problem is we just have a problem retrieving it, you know. Searching, 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 can't find it, you know. Things that you thought you forgot, and they're still there, follow away somewhere. And certain things can trigger it. You know, sometimes it's a song on the radio. Oh, man, I remember when that song came out, and you just remember exactly when the first time you heard it. Sometimes it's a scent. You know, there's a, there's a certain smell of a candle that brings me right back to, oh, I'm going to show my age, 1969. I had the sand candle. Sand candles, you make these candles in the sand, and then you'd hang them in the bedroom with a macrame with the beads all on that and stuff. And it was very, very hippie-ish type of thing. And, and, but I, I smell that smell. I'm, man, it's right there. Oh, man, it's right back to, to right there. And, and uh, I think of the songs, and I had the black light, and I had the disco lights, and I had all that stuff going on there. And, some things you choose to forget, you know, you want to forget. And, and, uh, but anyway, Paul is saying, I want you to remember. I want you to think about this, the genuineness of your, genuineness of your faith, how that came about through the teaching and the example of your mom and grandmother. That word genuine faith, the two words there, they're really one Greek word. It's, it's anupokritos, and it literally means unhypocritical. Genuine, sincere, or real. Now, in those days, an actor was called a hypocrite. Uh, the, the Greek word is hypocrite, and in, in, in the old days, it meant one who wears a mask. And so, in the place that they would do, they would have a little, you know, a little stick and then the mask on there, and they'd go out, you know, pretending to be someone they're not. And there are people that are like that today. People pretending to be something they're not. God talks about them in Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 13. He says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by... I forgot that word there. Uh, and so, Isaiah 29, 13. So, here's Paul is saying, you know, when I think of, of your unhypocritical faith, and I, I think of your faith to me, I realize, and you need to remember this, it came from your mom. It came from grandma. Why? Because they had a genuine faith. Again, it was not only taught to him by his mother and grandmother, but, but it was molded for him by the way that they lived. G. Campbell Morgan was a great expositor in England. He was called the, the Prince of Expository Preachers. And G. Campbell Morgan had four sons, and they all became great preachers in their own right. But at a family reunion, when the neighbors and the family and the friends all gathered together, one of the neighbors asked one of the sons, so who is the best preacher in your home? thinking they would get the answer, well, dad, of course, or maybe my older brother. The young man said, oh, hands down, it's mom. She's the best preacher in our house. In fact, G. Campbell Morgan himself said that he got his love for ministry and the word of God and preaching from his mother. He writes, my dedication to preaching the word was maternal. The first Bible stories I heard, I heard from my mother. Again, Timothy not only saw the example of his mom and grandmother being in the word themselves, but he was taught uh, from the word from them. From the earliest days, Timothy was taught the scriptures. That's why he had this genuine faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I believe that, that, that uh, Lois and Eunice, that they sought to obey Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 through 9. Now, we bring this up every Mother's Day. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. 
And he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, everything you do in your home is pointing to God and God's word and you're directing your children back to, well, what does the Bible say? Oh, you shouldn't do that because, you know, the Bible says this. Oh, man, good job because, you know, the Bible says this and and you share with them everything pointing to God in His Word. This is what Timothy's mom and grandmother did, uh, just educating her son in the wisdom and the Word of God that he might know the ways of God. Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, once said, No one is poor who hath a godly mother. And I love it. You know, they just not only educated them, him, but they demonstrated it. Something not only said, but actually seen in the life of his mom and in the life of her mom. It was genuine because they were genuine. And you just see the impact and the effect of a mom demonstrating her faith is something that's not simply said, though it needs to be said, it also needs to be seen. It needs to be preached and it needs to be practiced. So Timothy grew. He grew in in, in faith and and, and knowledge of God's word and that helped him to pastor even at a young age. What a testimony and love and devotion to the word of God by Eunice and Lois. Now this brings us to a final point, number three, that's boldness. Look at verse 6. Paul says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul writes, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What's the first word in verse 6 there? Therefore. Whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you need to know what it's there for, you know? You don't usually walk up to a stranger and say, Therefore. You don't start a conversation that way. Paul is saying here, you have this like-mindedness. You've got this genuineness in your faith that was first in your mother and also in your grandmother. Therefore, because you have these things instilled in you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, Timothy, you've got this great foundation in, in your faith. Man, now you need to go for it. Man, you need to be bold, you know. And, and your faith, it's genuine, it's real. Be confident in the things of God. See, the principle is simple. The product of genuine faith is faithful service to God. All the years of teaching and living out this life as a believer will come to fruition and it will be worth it. Moms, the, the seeds you're sowing now in your young child's life, you won't see them germinate for a long time. But when they grow, I mean, you, you could possibly see, man, a bold, effective witness like Timothy, man, a young Timothy or, or a Paul. That phrase, stirrup, that Paul uses means to, to keep the fire going, to keep the embers burning. Don't let them go out. Don't die down. You see, this is where we all come full circle. This is where we go back to Paul and his letter to the Philippians and his trust that he could send Timothy back to carry on the ministry in Philippi. Remember what he said, verse 20 of Philippians 2, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served me with his gospel. Man, that is the, the man he came and he grew to be. Very cool. You know that when Timothy first started traveling with Paul, it was on his second, Paul's second missionary journey, that he was only in his late teens, possibly in his early 20s. Yeah, Timothy was young, but Paul says, ah, you're mature in the faith. I'm going to bring you along. Christianity, it's always been a youth movement. 
Timothy became Paul's uh, uh, Timothy became Paul's disciple, his friend, his co-worker for the rest of his life. He was with Paul in, in Athens, in, in, in Corinth, in Jerusalem, in Philippi, in Ephesus. Paul refers to him about 11 times in the New Testament, and two letters are written to Timothy from Paul. Man, how's that for impact? How's that for, for boldness? Again, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, Paul says. Remember, man, you got power, you got boldness, you got a great foundation. Remember when I laid the hands on you to pray for you? Now, I, don't, I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but the Bible, in the Bible there's two different kinds of laying on of hands. One's good and one's not so good. Okay? There's a bad kind of laying on of hands. And they laid hands on him and they beat him. That's the bad kind. Okay? That's the good kind. The other kind of laying on of hands, you know, it, it's a godly form of laying on of hands. When the elders come together in the church and they lay hands on someone, it's to pray for them. It's to pray for direction in ministry. It's to pray for for healing, for for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's to pray to send out uh, missionaries from. It's to pray to to verify the gifts of the Holy Spirit upon a person's life. Paul is saying, I know. I remember the day that we laid hands on you as just simply affirming and confirming God's hand upon your life. And Paul had done that. Timothy had become a true son in the faith to Paul. I mean, he calls him a, a beloved son. He calls him a true son in the faith. In other words, you're my son spiritually. Yeah, physically you have your mom and your grandma, Eunice and Lois, but, but you're my son spiritually. I came along and laid my hands on you and I affirmed God's gift in you. And I think this is beautiful, moms, and here's why, and dads. There's a wonderful principle here, and simply this. When a mother lays her loving hands upon her children, someone else will come along and lay their affirming hands upon your children. In other words, as you raise them in the ways of the Lord, as you instruct them in the ways of the Lord, and you pray for them, and you lay your hands on them, God's not going to let them go. And He's going to bring other godly people within their lives and lay their hands on them and say, come on along. We want to do even more for the kingdom of God. And God will use them powerfully. Well, you can look back and you can say, as John put it in 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I always tell my kids that. Christmas time, you know, Father's Day, my birthday. What do you want, Dad, for your birthday? I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. That's all I want, okay? I mean, isn't that what every parent wants? You know, I've talked to enough parents over the years and, and as a Christian parent that all say the same thing more than anything else. I want my child, I want my son, I want my daughter to grow up to love God and to serve God. That means we need to do our part, be in the Word ourselves and live out this Christian life before them. Not perfectly. We all stumble. We all fall. But live in such a way that they want what you have. That they would see you truly love God and you love His Word. I like Psalm 127, verse 3 and 4. says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. One translator says that you could translate the word heritage into assignment. Children are an assignment from the Lord. So you thought that when you grew up, you know, you were done with school and then you have married and all that, the homework was done. Nope, you know, the real homework is in the home. You do the work in the lives of those children. They're an assignment. Then he says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. You know, that terminology presupposes that children, they need to be launched. They need to be shot out. Okay, it's time to go, all right? Love you, but you got to move on. Now, that, that, okay, understand that. 
There, there's a time for that, you know. It's, and it, that presupposes that you know where the target is. Don't just send them out into the world. You send them right into the arms of Jesus. Say, listen, you know, aim for that relationship with the Lord. Have that relationship with the Lord yourself. You become that man. You become that woman of God, putting the Lord first, putting His Word first in your life. Then it could be said of you, son or daughter. It could be said of them. I see that you have a genuine faith that was first in your grandmother and in your mom and in your dad. We'll add dad in there as well because we want to see that in the dads. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa had it first. That faith was seen in them first, then passed on. I want to close with this. Many of you know my dad passed away when I was just three years old. My mom raised all six of us kids by herself. I mean, she's amazing. She's home with the Lord now, and I miss her, and I know I'm going to see her again, and I can't wait for that reunion. It's going to be awesome. But I always cherish in my mind, you know, my mom sitting in that chair in the living room waiting for me to come home after I was doing stuff I shouldn't be doing in high school, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, and she's sitting there in a chair, and she's got her Bible on her lap, and she's reading, and she's praying. I mean, it's just, I'll remember that. Not only that, she lived the Christian life. I mean, she'd take homeless kids in and, and treat them like her own. I mean, I should know. I had to bunk with them. You know, okay, come on in. You know, no one was a stranger to her. I am what I am today, and I owe it all to the example I watched and, and, and grew up with from my mom. So, Mom, today's your day. We honor you. We honor your role today. We declare your role as the most important role on this planet. Keep up the good work. A mother's job never ends, but her influence lasts uh, a lifetime. Are you a perfect mom? No, your kids got stories. But, hey, so do you. You got them on them, right? I, I like this. A group of second graders were asked a few questions about their moms, and this is how they answered it. How did God make mothers? Well, he used dirt just like the rest of us, for the rest of us, or this one. How did mom make mothers? Magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. Well, God made my mom just the same way he liked me. He just used bigger parts. Then they were asked, why did God make mothers? Well, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Why did God make mothers? Mostly to clean the house. I like this one. To help us out of there when we were getting born. <laughs> a little gross, but, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> to help us arrive, you know, and I think I would answer it this way. To help us arrive at God's best once we've been born. Isn't that a great way? So thank you, moms. You know, we honor you today. Uh, thank you for honoring the Lord. Thank you for living out the scriptures. Thank you for all you do for our children. Thank you for your godliness. Thank you for that foundation, for the like-mindedness, for that boldness. Thank you, moms and grandmas, for sharing and transmitting your faith to, to us and, 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 and bringing about that God's transformation in my life and in our lives and our kids. Mother's Day, it's your day. May God bless you in it. So what I want to do as we close, I want to have all you moms stand up right now because we're going to pray for you because the Lord knows you need it. And so, uh, moms, stand up. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these moms that are standing. And we praise you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in and through their lives. And we pray, Father, that you continue to give them wisdom, Lord, in dealing with all these little things going on with their children, Lord, or maybe even with adult children. Lord, they need that wisdom. We pray for wisdom for them. 
Lord, we pray for strength for them. Lord, as, as the days can be hectic, Lord, and, and it can be crazy sometimes with young kids or old kids, Lord, we, we pray for just strength for them, Lord. We pray for those uh, moms that are taking care of their moms, Lord. We pray for strength for them as well. Lord, we pray for patience for them, that, Lord, endurance for them as they, they have to deal with some, some tough situations from time to time, Lord. But more, of a, more importantly, Lord, we pray that you continue just to pour your grace out upon them, your love upon them, and continue to use them mightily, Lord. And for all of us, Lord, that's all of our prayer, Lord God, that we would draw closer to you and our relationship with you, that we would be an example not only to our children, Lord, but to the whole world, that people will see and want to know what we have and why we have it, and that's our relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.